Hope you've had a, a nice week and the sun hasn't been too hot. Um, again, I hope that the, the, the news that we've had in the media about mortgages going up hasn't been too much of a shock for people. It certainly is for me, but I hope that today the message that will be shared will help us to just rise above any fears, any worries, any anxieties that we have, that whatever the world throws us at us, our God is able. So we don't have to fear what they say. We trust in God. So today my topic is, my title is called, You Gotta Have Faith. It's something, funnily enough, that Simon spoke about a couple of weeks ago when he shared from the same Psalms 23, to trust in God, that the Lord is our shepherd and with him we want nothing, we lack nothing, but it takes trust, faith. And it was funny that at the funeral of our dear brother Ralph, I was talking to Sylvia Bevan, and she said the week before that, in her sermon, she was talking about faith. And I felt the last couple of months, God just keeps bringing this word onto my heart, faith. He just kept bringing it, faith, faith. And when Simon asked me to speak again, this is the word that came, faith. It's such a big topic. The whole Bible is about faith from beginning to end, believing in God, trusting in God, what faith does, what happens if you don't have faith. So it's too big a topic for any one person, especially me, to cover the whole thing. So I'm only going to share the little that I feel the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you this morning, and I pray that it blesses someone. There are those of us who, if I was to ask you what faith was, you could get up and give a perfect explanation of faith. There are others who maybe are new to the faith who say the word, but perhaps struggle a bit with the understanding, the concept of faith. So I hope that both those who are experienced and who know what faith is and those who don't will receive something from this morning's word. So basically, what is faith? It's a belief, it's, it's, a, it's a conviction that you have that enables you to act. It's something that you receive that produces something. It's an enabler. And it causes you to act on what you believe to be true. There are people out there who have some funny beliefs and you see the way they act, but they're acting out of what they accept as truth. But as Christians, we're called to act and believe on the word of God. So when you read in the book of Romans, Paul describes faith as many different things. He describes it as trust in God, confidence in God, hope in God. He describes it as the faithfulness of God, the truthfulness of God. I've heard that faith is actually spelt risk because there's times when we have to put our very well-being on the line for faith. And you think of the widow woman with her son, the widow of Zephora, I think I've said that correctly, that was asked to take her last bit of flour and oil and bake a cake and give it to Elijah rather than feed her son and herself and lie down and die. But she was obedient. That's another type of faith. Obedience in God is another type of faith. Sometimes our reputation is put on the line because of faith. And you think of someone like Nicodemus, part of the chief priests, the elders, the, all those that were against Jesus, the teachers of the law. And yet he had to humble himself and go before Jesus and ask him, what do I need to do to be saved? And humility is another type of faith. If we believe in God, there's times when we have to humble ourselves and put aside our pride in order to go to God. And sometimes our, even our lives can be put on the line because of faith. And we think of Stephen, who got up and boldly declared the gospel of Jesus Christ and was stoned to death for his belief. But boldness is also a type of faith, because without faith, we can't be bold. 
We trust in God, we believe in what he said, and therefore we declare with confidence what we receive. And the Oxford Dictionary describes faith as a strong and unshakable belief in something without any proof. It says that it can be a trust in God, in his actions and his promises, to have a strong conviction of truth, to have a complete confidence or trust in a doctrine or belief. So this morning, if you take away nothing at all from what I say, understand that faith is an enabler, and without it, we can do nothing, absolutely nothing in this world in terms of God. We can do plenty in the world, but in terms of pleasing God, we can do nothing without faith. So Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3 says, that famous faith chapter, now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see. And in Hebrews 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was not made out of what is visible. And all that is really saying is, remember, before the earth was formed, it was, vo it was a void, there was nothing. But God spoke with faith. He saw creation before creation even existed. He saw the trees, the seas, the mountains, the birds, the fish, he saw us. And God spoke all of these things by the command of his voice. And we're told in scripture that everything that God made was good. Everything that he created was good. And he made all of this out of nothing. This is faith. This is the faith that we are aspiring to. That we are able to achieve impossible things with God because of faith. So faith is the ability to see beyond a problem. You know, I've got the, I was doing a pet sit once in this lady's house and she had a picture, small picture, and it was of trees, big, tall trees, and you couldn't see the wood. And that, that saying, you can't see the wood through the trees. It's almost like the more you look, the more all you see is trees. Well, faith is that enabler that allows you to look through. It allows you to look above. It allows you to go around. The thickness of the trees, the difficulties of your problems do not stop us from succeeding because we have faith. And when we trust in God's word and rely on it, when we have that unshakable and you know, faith in God, that's what we're able to do. We're able to rise above. We're able to see through. Even though we can't see the answer, we can't see what's on the other side, we know, we're confident that on the other side, we're going to be successful. So faith is also recognizing our human limitations. It's recognizing that all our wisdom, all our strength, all our knowledge, all our whatever, whatever, whatever you want to put on that is never, ever going to be enough to enable us to go through the circumstances that we're facing. And even today, there are many people facing some serious circumstances in this church, in their life, life-changing experiences. And without faith, without being able to say, do you know what, I take all of me and I put it to one side and I trust in God, we're not able to go through these things. I think if you don't mind me picking on Natalie and Ben, they're, they're about to embark on a life-changing venture uprooting and although Natalie's going back home they're going back to a different place they're different they're now a married couple they don't know what the future holds for them as they go forward but they've got faith whatever obstacles come their way if they can put aside their fears their worries their anxieties God will provide God will bring them through and that's faith so we've got to trust that whatever it is we're facing, it's going to be okay on the other side. And Romans 8 verse 28 says, and we know that in all things, not some things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And to love God is faith. 
That's another part of faith. To those who have been called according to his purpose. This is a, this is a promise of God that we have, that we can physically stand on. And we understand from scripture that God is not a man. He doesn't lie. What he says he means and what he means he says. And whether it's something that we read in scripture that God has spoken, or whether he speaks something personally to you, a promise that he's given just to you. And we read in Hebrews 6 and verse 13 to 15, that when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than him to swear by, he swore by himself, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so Abraham, and he did this by faith, waited patiently. And waiting patiently is another part of faith. Sometimes we gotta wait for what God says. But in the end, he received God's promise. So sometimes when we're looking for God to move in our lives, we've got to be prepared to wait. It doesn't always happen just like that. So where do we get this faith from? If faith is something that enables us to go through, to overcome, to see through, where do we get this faith from? Well, faith comes from God, who is faithful by nature. He remains true and loyal. God is consistently reliable. His words and his actions back each other up. He's truthful and accurate in every details of our lives. And faith is a gift that a God has given to each human being so that we can declare Jesus Christ is Lord. And without that faith in the first place, we would never be able to declare Jesus is Lord. It came from God, that, that awakening of our spirit, that awakening our soul, even just to recognize Jesus is Lord. And when we look at Adam, think about Adam in the Garden of Eden. You know, the first man that was ever on the face of the earth. He wasn't born of a man and a woman. He was created by God. And God gave him everything that he had, his body, his soul, his spirit, his breath. He gave him the earth that he lived on, but he also had faith. And that was part of his, his, his natural makeup because he was connected to God right from the very beginning. He had fellowship with God. He had friendship with God. He had full communion. God used to go and walk with him in the, in the cool of the day. I mean, just imagine God just coming and walking with you later on this evening when it gets cooler. What a thing. But Adam had that. But when he disobeyed God, that, that fellowship, that union was broken. We all know that. Sin entered the world. But we see in this particular story how God was faithful. In that, although he knew Adam had sinned and Adam was ashamed and he was hiding away from God, it was still the Lord who went to him. He went looking for him and he called out to him, where are you? Adam was the one that was hiding. And it's the same for us. As I said earlier, in order for us just to recognize that Jesus is Lord, God had to put something in us. Everything that we have, we get from him. Faith came from him. The ability to believe came from him. The ability to act came from him. But what the Lord did with Adam when he called out to him is he restored him. It wasn't the same as it was before the fall. But when Adam came out and said, yes, Lord, here I am, he was restored. He was forgiven. And God became his father once again. So faith, faith comes from God. So we need faith to believe, and we need faith to receive what we believe. James says that if we have faith but we don't have actions, it's dead. It's false. So as I said earlier on, faith is a word that tells us that we have to act. It's not just about I believe. Because he tells us that even demons believe that God is real. They shudder, but they don't obey him. 
They don't follow him. They don't love him. But we are called to follow and to love the Lord. And I think of that Roman officer, you know, I was talking earlier just a moment ago about you have to receive from God in order to have faith activated. I was thinking of that Roman officer who went to Jesus and asked him to heal his sick servant. And you've got to remember, in that day, to the Romans, the Jews were nothing. They were the lowest of the lower. Roman would not soil himself by being associated with a Jew. He'd never go to a Jew's house. He wouldn't eat with him, talk with him. They were, they were lower than low. But something had to happen to that Roman officer for him, A, to see Jesus, not just as a Jew, but as a human being. God had to somehow touch that man in his sinful, prejudiced state for him to actually look at him and go, oh, this man has something that I identify with. This man has authority. And by accepting that, faith grew a little bit more in him. Not only did Jesus have authority, but he had authority over sickness, something that was quite important to this Roman officer because his servant was at home dying. But because he believed that this man, this Jew that stood before him, had that power, he was able to overcome his prejudice, his pride, and go before the Lord and say, will you help? That's something a Roman would never have done, but faith was birthed in him at that moment. And he was able to go to Jesus and say to him, you don't even have to come to my house. I am not worthy to have you come to my house. Just say the word. That's how much power I see in you. That's what has been released into me through faith that I see in you. You don't even have to come to my house. Speak the words right where you are and my servant will be healed. And Jesus did that. And the servant was healed and Jesus said of him, not in all Israel have I seen a man with faith like this. So we're not talking about a man who was already a Christian who knew what faith was. We're talking about a man who at that moment received something from God to open his eyes, to see a Jewish man who he would have looked down on as a human being, to see beyond that, that he wasn't just a human being, he was a human being with power, an authority unlike anything that anyone else on the earth had. Because with all that Roman's officer's power, he couldn't heal his servant, and he had authority over thousands. But he recognized that in Jesus. So faith comes from God. And we first have to receive an awakening or a revelation in our own hearts in order to activate faith so that we can first believe and then act. So why do we need faith? The Bible is really clear. Without faith, we cannot please God. It's absolutely impossible to live a life of service, a life dedicated to God. We're called to live lives that are holy and sacrificial. Not just when we're in church, but when we're at home, when we're at work, at school. The minute we get out of those doors, we don't leave it here. We carry it with us. But it's absolutely impossible for us to face those issues out there without faith, without trusting God, without confidence in God, without standing on his unshakable word, without believing that he and he alone is the one who can take us through. So we need faith. We need faith to live. So what's in it for us? And that's really, you know, when I was thinking about this, what's in it for us? It's the sad state of human beings, really, that unless we see that there's something in it for us, especially if that thing is hard, that thing asks us to sacrifice something, to, to put effort and energy in, unless we see a benefit to ourselves, it's very easy to just revert back to what, what we do normally takes no effort at all yeah no effort at all 
but we're told that in order to, if we walk in faith, if we, if we activate faith in us, then we will receive something from God. I'm just going to read this. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that if we live and walk by in, in faith, we have a if we have a strong and unshakable belief in God, and we trust in his actions and, and his promises before we even see any of them come to pass, if we can have a strong conviction in the truth and complete confidence and trust in his word, then there's something that we actually receive because faith is a transaction as well. And we receive something. We receive grace by faith. And grace is God's un unearned merit, his favor. As I said before, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were far from him, when we never even had a thought for him, Jesus had already prepared himself to die for us. God had already seen all of our faces down in the pages of history and decided you're gonna be here. You're gonna be part of my kingdom. You're gonna be part of my kingdom. And he released favor on each and every one of us. That's why we're here. It's by God's grace. We receive God's righteousness by faith. Righteousness is to be made right with God. As we said, Adam caused sin to come in the world and the relationship that we had was broken. But by G through Jesus, when we believe in him and we have faith in him, we are made right with God. And I always think of that film. I don't anyone seen The Lord of the Rings? In the third one, that's one of my favorite films, the third one, there's a line in there that says, the line that was broken is now remade. And it's talking about the line of the king that was broken through disobedience had been remade through obedience. And this is, what, this is what happened. Jesus was obedient to what God asked him to do. And because of that obedience, we have received the gift of being made right with God through faith. And if you want to have a look at that, it's in Romans, uh, Romans 2, and verse 21 to 25. We receive election and sonship by faith. God doesn't see us anymore as enemies, as being distant from him. We become a part of the family of God. He chose us to be a part of his eternal family. We become joint heirs with Christ. And that means that everything that God promised him, that he would raise him from the dead, is our promise. That he would live in eternity, that's our promise that God would be his God, that's our promise. Everything that Jesus received is our promise. And through sonship and through election, we are sons of God. And because of that, we can then cry out, Abba, Father. We don't have to go before God frightened. We don't have to go before him condemned or thinking, oh my gosh, God doesn't love me. We go before him as children. We go before Jesus as friends. We were singing about it today. We've known him as a father. We've known him as a friend. And that's how God wants us to come. In friendship, in fellowship, in union, in communion with him. Believing and trusting in him. We receive redemption, atonement and freedom from sin by faith. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we're free from the burden and slavery of sin. And I want you to think about, for, for the drivers in the room will understand, imagine that you've taken your car and you've parked it illegally. You've gone on holiday for a week or whatever. And the traffic wardens come along and see your car and they start slapping tickets. Every day a ticket goes on your car and eventually that car is impounded. And you come back and the police have come and said to you, we want you. You're guilty of parking your car illegally. You've left it there for however long. We've been sending you notices to say you've got to pay this fine. You've never paid it. Now we're taking you to court. You're guilty. It's your car. It belongs to you. It's your responsibility. We are now taking you to court. You're going to have a record. 
and that record will affect you in the future because when you go to insure somewhere else, the insurance are going to say, you've got something blotted on your record that you didn't, get, you didn't put right right at the very beginning. So I want you to imagine now that you're on your way to court, you're guilty, you're the one that's guilty, and somebody comes alongside you and says, where's your car? And you say, it's impounded. And they say, I'll go and redeem it for you. And they take that money and they go to that pound and they redeem, they buy back your car from that pound. Then you go to the court and the judge says, stand up, you're guilty, and somebody stands up and says, I'll take that penalty. The fine that you're gonna to give to that person, give it to me. The punishment that you're gonna to give to them, give to me. The record, the blot on their, on their record, I'll take it. That's atonement. And you were released free. You walk out of that courtroom absolutely free from that burden, from that penalty, from that heaviness, from however it was gonna affect your future, you are free. And that's what we receive from, through faith. We received redemption, we received atonement, and we received freedom. We are no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to give in to every single thing that our sinful nature tells us to do. We have been released by the blood of Jesus. It was nailed to the cross and finished, done with. And by faith, we have to claim that. We all, and that's in Romans 6 and verses 1 to 14. We also receive justification, peace and joy by faith. Because of Jesus, the Father now looks at us as if we never sinned. Go back to the court. You're now walking out of the court. You've been handed your keys. There you go, car's outside. Go out, get in your car. No one's looking at you. No traffic warden is saying, I remember you. I remember this car. You're free. You've never committed any sin at all. You're free to get in your car. That brings peace. That brings joy. You're not carrying that burden on your back of what you've done. That comes through faith. It comes through trusting, believing, relying on, walking in the promises of God. And that's Romans 5, verses 1 to 2. We also receive life through Christ. And we're told in Romans 5, 18 and 19, that the first Adam brought death but the second Adam, Jesus, brought life. And if we live through him, we have life and life everlasting. By faith, we also live, have life through the Holy Spirit. And I actually want to read that portion to you because not only do we have life by the Holy Spirit, but we have the promise to become more like Christ and we also have a glorious future through faith. And I don't know if you remember that line in the song, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining like the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. This is the promise that we have. So I just want to read that portion to us. Romans 8, and it's verse 13 to 17. Bear with me, this fan is blowing everything away. It says, for if you live by, its, by its, its dictate, and it's talking about sin here, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
But if we share in his glory, we also share in his suffering. So through faith, we receive a future. We receive a life by the Spirit. We receive the ability to become daily, and that should be our objective, to become daily like Jesus himself. And I think this is probably the most important part of this whole message, because I said faith is an enabler. So it's how do we apply it? If we know what faith is, if we know where it came from and why we need it, then how do we apply it? You know, how many times have people said to you, you need to do such and such, and they don't give you the how? But the Bible is absolutely jam-packed with the how. And if we read the Bible with eyes of faith, we start to unpack the stories of the people who encountered Jesus and we start to see how faith manifested in the lives of these people. And I want to look at, if we've got time, just two examples. One is Hannah. This woman, you know, I read her story. I'm a, all I could imagine was I had a bag and all of her troubles were being packed into this bag, one by one, until this bag was so heavy. So let's just look at her story. Anna was a woman who was the, a, a wife of a man called Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Pinaya. Excuse me if my pronunciation isn't correct, but you know what I'm talking about. But she could not have children but his other wife could. And in those days, a woman's status, a woman's self-worth and self-being was in that she was married and she was able to bear children, and not just children, but sons, to bear her husband's sons to carry on the family name. And this woman was not able to bear any children, but the other wife was. And in fact, she had two sons, and this woman, taunted Hannah day and night that she was not able to have a son. And the, the ironic thing was, Hannah's husband loved her, even though she couldn't have children, he still loved her, but that love was not enough. There was a yearning and an anguish, a deep desire in that woman to have children. And so Peniah, the other wife, taunted her. You can just imagine that from the moment she got pregnant, she would have flaunted in front of her. I'm pregnant. You know, every time she was, had morning sickness, oh, I've just been sick. As her tummy grew, she would have flaunted her, her pregnant tummy before this woman. You know, she would have demanded more attention from her husband because her status in her mind was greater. She also had a lot of jealousy over Hannah because Elkanah loved Hannah, even though she was the one who was producing the children. So there was a great deal of jealousy and this woman took great joy in turning the knife every time she got an opportunity. Can you imagine when those, that, that first child was born and she went and placed that child on his father's knee and she would have looked at Hannah with a scornful look. All these feelings, all this year upon year, Hannah would have been packing into this bag of pain, this bag of anguish, this bag of lack of self-worth about her own existence. And the Bible tells us that each year, they would, there's a family, they would go to make sacrifices to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the temple. And when they went, Elkanah would prepare the sacrifice and he would give choice pieces of meat to his wives and their children. So you can imagine if the table split down the middle on Peneus' side, there's her plate and her two sons' plate with choice meat. And on Hannah's side, there's one piece of meat because she had no children. And the Bible tells us that this happened year upon year. They would make this trip and this lady would taunt her all the way there, jeering at her, mocking her, deriding her, you name it. And then Hannah had to sit across that table with this woman with her plate of food, gloating at her to the point where there were times when she couldn't even eat. Such was her pain, she could not even eat food. And we're told in scripture that on one such occasion, it was just too much. She'd run out of all of her resolve. 
She'd run out of all of her strength, her ability to bounce back, her ability to take the knocks and think, oh, tomorrow's another day. She'd had it. And she went before the Lord. And in faith, that woman cried out before God. She poured out the lot. And I imagined her, imagine you've got to carry a bag full of all that pain and anguish. And she literally emptied that bag out before God with tears, with suffering, with pain. She gave him the lot to such a degree that, that Eli, the priest, who was sitting at the door of the temple, saw this woman sitting, praying. Her mouth is moving. Her body must have been fidgeting, but he can't hear any words coming from her mouth. And he thought that she was actually being disrespectful. She was drunk. And he went and challenged her and she said, no, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm in pain. I'm going through something in my life that is impossible for me to overcome. I can't change it. It's affecting my life. It's affecting my family. My family is dysfunctional because my husband has to split his time between two wives. I'm jealous of her. She hates me. You can imagine the whole scenario that went on. And she says, I'm in pain. I can't take any more. And she poured it out before God. And when he realized that this woman was actually acting in faith, taking all of what she'd got, not holding back anything. And sometimes we got to be able to give God everything, the good bits and the bad bits, the bits that we don't want anyone else to hear. There's times when in faith we got to give God those bits as well in order to receive from faith. And that's what Hannah did. She gave him everything. And Eli said to her, may the Lord bless you and give you what you've prayed for. And this is the exchange that Hannah had. She went before the Lord with pain and anguish. And in faith, she poured out her heart. And although she wasn't pregnant at that moment, but she received hope. She received something as a, in that exchange of faith that allowed her to get up from that seat where she was sitting crying in anguish and go back to the dinner table and eat her meal. The meal, same meal that years gone by she couldn't eat, she went back and she sat and she ate that meal because she received hope. And that's what we're told in, in Hebrews that faith is. It's been certain of what we hope for. And she believed God. She said to him, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. She was speaking something into being that wasn't even there, that, that couldn't happen. She couldn't get pregnant. But in faith, she spoke that out. And God honored her faith. And although she didn't fall pregnant right there, she walked away with a hope, with a belief, with a certainty that God heard her prayer. And in the fullness of time, she did become pregnant. And she honored what she had promised in that she took her son back to God. She said, I'll, I'll promise you he'll be yours. And to prove it, I'll never cut a hair of his head. And she took God, uh, Samuel back to God when he was weaned. So God honored her faith. But she had to have something in the first place that allowed her at that point of weakness. She could easily have gone and done anything else. We've heard of so many people who have lost hope in life. That have hurt themselves, that have committed suicide, that have gone out and done heinous things. Because hope is gone. But faith gives us hope. And God restored this woman. He gave her back something hope and not just hope he gave her a future because she went on to have other children so although she honored God by giving him back her son first son God still honored her and gave her more children so faith is something that allows us to believe to accept but then we got to act we got to do something with it it's not enough just to say I believe if we truly believe what God has promised us, what are we doing about it? How are we acting on it? You know, if anyone had said to me 10, 15 years ago, 
I'd be standing here, I would have said, you're crazy. It wasn't even on my radar. It was the last thing in the world I would ever have dreamt about. In fact, if you'd said it to me, I would have run out that door. But God spoke to me some time ago, and I fought it for a long time. I fought it. God, I don't even know your word. All the excuses in the book you can come up with. But there came a point where God's word, God speaks to you and you can't deny him. It's either that you obey him or you disobey him. And faith also is obedience. So I don't know, God might be speaking to people in this room today and saying, I want you to do something that is totally outside of your comfort zone. Something that you never imagined possible. Something that you never dreamed of in your life. And God is kind of dropping that little seed into you. So I want you to do this. Have a go. You know it's him. You know it's God. You know when God speaks to you. I want to encourage you. Obey him. But obey him in faith. Obey him by trusting in him. By believing in him. By relying on him. By walking in the footsteps that he lays down for you. Because you will not fail. Just to stand here this morning, I got up this morning and I felt so nervous. God has removed every ounce of nerves and fear. Every ounce has gone. Because when I got up this morning and I was coming into church, I said, Lord, I cast me down. I throw down my strength, my words, my ability, my, my, my. It's you. This morning, I'm walking in trust and in faith in you. That I will open my mouth. You speak. You touch the hearts of your people. You deliver. You know what each and every person needs in this room. And I had to do that this morning. And I had to say, Lord, it's okay to, be, to feel anxious. It's okay to feel that flutter in your stomach. It's not a problem. But to trust in God and to allow him to use you to do whatever it is he wants you to do. And I just want to encourage you that when, this is in conclusion, when we walk by faith, when we trust in God, when we stand on his unshakable word, when we believe in his faithfulness and his truthfulness, then we have the right to declare certain things. And I want us, if you've got your Bible, to turn with me to Romans 8. And we're going to read from verse 28. It's a passage that many will know. And it's almost a declaration that we have when we walk in faith, when we walk in truth in confidence when we rely upon God. And I'm going to read from verse 28. Amen. Bear with me. Yeah, that's the one, 28. This is our declaration that we have, and this is the declaration I want to leave us with this morning. That if we walk in faith, God enables us to do, to achieve, to accomplish, to speak and to declare into the heavenlies. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them. We are called this morning. He gave them the right, he gave them right standing with himself. And, has given, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? And this is our declaration. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If we're walking in God's faith, 
who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give up everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting at the right hand, at the, sorry, sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Does this mean he no longer loves us if we are in trouble or calamity, or persecuted or hunger? or destitute, or in danger, or threatened. And believe me, brothers, brothers and sisters, we all suffer that. We all go through issues. There's nobody who has the perfect life. And if your day is good today, watch out for tomorrow. Something's coming. But this is what the word says. Can anything separate us from God's love? And as the scripture says, this is verse 36. For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If we walk in faith, we have overwhelming victory. We can't lose. We've already seen the end of the book before we've read the very beginning. We know that we win. And I am convinced. Let's read this together. If you've, if you've got your Bibles, let's read this together. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed, and I'm going to add this word in, if we have faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father God, Father God, we are humbled in your presence. We are humbled in the presence of one who gave so much for us. You held back nothing, not even your son. You've given us of your love and your peace and grace, your mercy joy everything you created the very world that we live in our bodies everything comes from you and we honor you this morning and we ask you lord for those of us who have faith that you will give increase increase to believe in you for mighty things lord to move mountains. You said if we had faith as small as a mustard seed, we could move mountains. And I pray that for those today who are strong in the faith and that are on the mountaintop, they will move in faith for those that are weak through prayer, through any act that you call them to do. I pray for those of us who are new to the faith, who are just beginning to understand what faith is, that, Lord, you will reveal faith, that, Lord, you will increase faith to allow us to see you in deeper ways, in, in, in new ways that draw us closer to you, ways that cause us not to see you as God the condemner, but God our Father, God our friend, God our redeemer, Hallelujah. William said this morning in, in Psalms 23, the God who prepares a table for us in the very presence of our enemies, and we claim this through faith this morning, that whatever we stand in need of, Lord, it's right there. But we've got to claim it through faith. We've got to claim it through believing 
and trusting and standing and following in. And we don't waver to the left or to the right. We fix our faces this morning as flint before you. I pray, Lord, that you will encourage us to read and know your word because your promises are in your word. Your faithfulness is in your word. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will speak into the hearts of your sons and daughters. You will speak truth. You will speak personal promises to them. Lord, I pray that you will allow us to see the wood through the trees through faith this morning. That you will allow us to rise up like wings, like on wings of eagles. That you will allow us to go through and go around and go below. But never, never to be hindered by any of the things that we come up against. But every time, Lord, that you will come to us with faith. And you will increase our faith and you will cause us to overcome and we will shout about our faith because, Lord, the world needs to see that we are people who walk in faith. Like that Roman centurion, Lord, the world needs to have its eyes open to see Jesus, not just as a man, but as the son of the living God, as their savior and Lord, their redeemer and king, as the one who is able to do anything that they ask of him. And so this morning, as our heads are bowed, I pray that you will move on every single heart. Move on our hearts, Lord, and remind us of your word. Remind us of the declaration that we have just made, that there is nothing that can separate us from you. We are bound to you. We have been redeemed by you. We have received atonement for sins by you, and we have been set free to walk this earth for you, Lord, as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that your spirit will anoint every head bowed, that you will bless us and part your spirit in us, Lord. And I want to thank you in the precious name of Jesus for helping me. Thank you, Lord, for putting me in this church. Thank you for every member in this church. Thank you that you've got a job for each person to do in this place. And I pray that by faith we will not be afraid. We will not shy away. But like Hannah, we will come to you and we will pour out all our worries, all our concerns, our anguish, whatever it is that's blocking us, we will pour it out before you and we will receive hope and we will receive a future and I bless you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.